Hey there, private citizen mutt. It's JD Collier, and I'm getting ready to uh, do another podcast for you. This is going to be episode three, so I hope that you'll tune in and enjoy. Today, uh, I'll be talking about the attribute of honor, and uh, the host today is going to be Benjamin Franklin. And uh, so get ready and enjoy the show. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And please make sure that you subscribe and like and share. And also, uh, please feel free to bring your comments uh, anytime. I'm looking forward to it. So please enjoy the show. I'll talk to you later. This is the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. Welcome. Created by Eagle Impact and Johnny Tilt Productions, this podcast honors and respects the service veterans and spouses, the social integrity heroes of our past, and the common American mutt. That's right, you. With this podcast, we provide a platform for respect. We respect the eagle, that is, the individual with a service background, the sworn hero from the uniform who has risked it all for our protection. Plus, we respect and honor the hoss, that is, the social integrity leader from our past, such as Franklin, Ulysses, Lincoln, and others from our American history. Finally, we respect you, the hound, as we discuss the topics of the day, listening and learning together to improve our work, home, and family. Each week, we will bring you value in the form of knowledge and perspective. Just like you heard, we are all in this together, so get ready for another excellent show. It's the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. Hey there, America. J.D. Collier, and this is a new episode of Eagle, Haas, and Hound. Um, I'm uh, intent on getting it done. It's actually uh, in the evening time. typically like to do it in the morning, but I was really busy today, so uh, you ever have those kind of days? And then... You know, this evening I was uh, <laughs> uh, going to start my podcast and do some of my stuff, but you know, we're getting a big snowstorm here. It's uh, December here in Pennsylvania, and uh, I, knowing that it's going to be snowing all night, I went out there and, and cleared the, the snow that we already had. It was about eight inches already laying down, so got out the uh, snowblower, because if you're having that kind of snow, you're going to have to have a snowblower. Um, yeah, but I am I am feeling it a little bit, a little bit huge. So, um, but without further ado, I want to go ahead and get started. And and uh, every time I get started, I like to show respect. This is a platform for respect, Eagle Haas and Hound. And uh, first of all, showing respect to God. So here I go. Lord, Thy will be done. Amen. And then, of course, showing respect to the good old U.S. of A. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so, all right, here we go, starting with some respect, and uh, we, we want to continue with respect, and that's one of the things that I want to keep driving home, and I think that's uh, such an important skill for everyone to have and, and, and understand how important it is to treat everybody with mutual respect. So, um, so many things can go well in this life. Um, so yeah, it's the Eagle, Haas, and Hound. I used to, I, I told you about it before in the last couple episodes, and I also want to continue on. Uh, you know, what is the Eagle? What's the Haas? What's the Hound? Uh, the Eagle is someone who has a service background, either from armed forces, law enforcement, fire and rescue, and spouses. And I think that individuals who have that background, uh, they, they tend to be imbued with uh, these attributes uh, that I call strength, honor, Courage, commitment, and respect; those uh, those uh, key power attributes, I believe, uh, should propel someone who has a service background 
through a, a very strong career path and uh, so that's what I'm looking to do. I'm, I'm looking to raise the uh, awareness of, of what makes someone into an eagle. Um, I myself have, have uh, experience coming from the U.S. Navy and then uh, I've been in uh, corporate Amer America for, shoot, it's almost 20 years now. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I've, I've seen a little bit inside and out. And uh, one thing that I know is that I've continued to remain the same me that I was when I was in the service. So um, I think that happens to most people too. So anyway, um, I want to I wanna continue pressing uh, forward with the eagle and, and talking about the attributes. And so you know, I mentioned uh, the eagle is today's today's eagle is someone who had that experience, and there used to be a time in our country when a lot of people had that experience. Uh, you may have heard of the Greatest Generation. The Greatest Generation; uh, these are the individuals that uh, they basically grew up during the Great Depression. Okay, the the 1930s, and then here comes World War II, and they are of age by that time, and they. Had to had to get get in uniform and go over there and fight. Okay, so so many people had to enlist. It was a, a huge huge effort. And what happened was, uh, you know, if you were able bodied, you you had to get you know had to go uh, get drafted or or volunteer to go into the service, and and off you went. So and then of course uh, other people, you know, the the spouses and the loved ones had to stay behind and keep it going and do everything that they had to do. Uh, you know, many of the kids during World War II had to go and they cleaned up scraps you know they found rubber and and steel and aluminum and tin and all kinds of metal and they would gather it up so that it could be uh, put into the war effort um, I mentioned on a previous ep episode about my grandmother who was a Rosie the Riveter during World War II so I mentioned the greatest generation these are those folks that went through that experience and uh, they came back from World War II and basically built the greatest economy the world has ever seen and we've been enjoying the benefits of that for many many years uh and uh you know making things better in many ways and sometimes sometimes uh some things have atrophied and we we have to keep churning and try to do better the american way to america ever better um and so you know for for many many years and decades after the the world war ii this uh this cohort of people who were the greatest generation, they were so productive and so uh, just amazing in, in what they did. And they just, they oozed with all of these things, this strength, honor, courage, commitment, respect. And um, there was a time in our country because of all those individuals, we, we didn't really need this thing that I call Eagle Impact. We didn't need to focus on the individual with the service background because there were so many people out there who were, uh, who had had a service background um, you know, and, and there were more people that went into conflict uh, because of uh, the Korean conflict and then Vietnam. Uh, so many people had to be conscripted into it. You know, there was a, a draft until uh, the early 70s when they, they outlawed the draft. So now, today, we're at a point where we don't have a draft and we have vol all volunteer force. And uh, so everybody who is uh, becoming a veteran nowadays, they're, they're, they're going through a different experience than way back then. And another thing that's quite different is there's just not as many of us around. So, uh, whereas the other generations, you know, the baby boomers and the previous generation, uh, they had so many people who had had understanding of what it is to serve and sacrifice. Um, 
this generation doesn't have as many. And so uh, I think it's time to, to raise the awareness and doing, doing it in a respectful way. So um, that's one of my pet peeves is that too often people don't tend to understand the service individual um, because there's, you know, there's too many tendencies to, to uh, look at the negative stereotypes. You know, um, I, was <laughs> I was looking through Facebook and uh, trying to find some groups recently and, uh, you know, I typed in veterans, you know, I want to see if, hey, there's a lot of veterans groups and, you know, group after group after group after group after group was something that was, I considered negative, something, you know, a pity, uh, you know, let's go in this group because we're disabled. Let's go in this group because we need help. Let's go in this group because we have PTSD, you know, all these things that are, um, and, and I was having so much trouble going through the whole list trying to find something that didn't have anything to do with being disabled or, or somehow pitied or, you know, struggling or, you know, uh, mental anguish or you name it. It was just all this stuff. Um, and so that's the thing is like uh, our society has, in my opinion, too many negatives against a veteran. And uh, it, it starts to actually affect people who are veterans and they start to think of themselves as uh you know not not as strong as they really are and, and i want to counter that so no 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 you're an eagle you have these attributes of strength honor courage commitment and respect and uh these attributes stay with you for life so uh take heart and uh you not only should you be successful but you should also be able to help uh everybody in around you in your community people on your team at work uh you should be uh, an example and you should be somebody who's a strong team player in everything that you do. So um, I want to encourage someone who's an Eagle to do very well in their career. And that's, you know, one of the main missions of Eagle Impact. Um, so today I'm going to talk about the attribute of honor. Uh, I talked about strength last time. And, uh, you know, strength is faith beyond yourself. And, and I'll keep bringing that one up. It's uh, basically when you're in service and you get that all that experience and you have you, you develop this mindset and it becomes just a natural skill and and honor is no different okay honor is the same kind of thing so honor is being honest okay it's basically telling the truth and um you know not trying to hide anything and you know honor is uh it's something that's it comes to be it's it's expected of everybody who's in service so it's kind of like part of the culture you know and and so everything that you do you're expected to be uh, doing what you what you say you're going to do. That's another big part of honor is just basically doing what you say you're going to do. And coming from a cultural norm where everybody's expected to be that way, um, and there's really not any room for uh, you know, you know, sliding a little bit because everybody's got to got to got to basically do what they're supposed to do. And um, so it becomes a habit. It becomes a natural skill, and and that stays with you for life. And so when the person who has been through the service and they have had, you know, the, the expectation of being honorable and, and, and that's, that's kind of baked into you, you start working that, that way in, in private sector. And so it's just natural for you to say, I'm going to do this. And then you, you expect to do it and you do it. Okay. <laughs> you, you do what you say you're going to do. And, uh, so, uh, a, a lot of times, uh, many people don't develop that skill. They don't have the follow through. Of, of what someone who has that skill of honor has. And so um, I want to keep bringing that to light. You know, honor is a, is a very important attribute. It's something that stays with you and it's, it's simply being honest and doing what you say you're going to do. So 
That's the, uh, the skill of honor or the, the attribute of honor, the power attribute of honor. And uh, I'm going to move on to the next part. So you see behind me a little wall, okay? This, this is uh, down in my, my basement office. Uh, I think I've told you before, I called this the Eagle Approach Studio. And uh, uh, this, this wall is still a work in progress. I'm, I'm designing it to be a career representation for the Eagle, okay? Uh, it, you know, basically the Eagle has uh, this, this part right here that you see with, uh, with all of these uh, cool looking camouflage uh, blacks and grays. And it, it represents uh, uh, the way a career can be in the service. I mean, you're hopping from duty station to duty station. Sometimes you're even changing uh, roles and MOSs in, in your career. And if you start, you know, you can get out after four years and, and then just hop right into civilian life or you can stay a little longer and then get out of the service at another point. So uh, most people don't understand, but when you sign up for the service, you're, you're obligated for eight whole years. You think it's only a four-year enlistment, but you're, you got to stick around for another four years of, uh, of uh, reserves. <laughs> you're, you're basically on the hook. So, but if you get out after eight years of, of active duty, then you don't have to go in the reserves. And that, in my case, that's what it was. I was out after eight active years. Anyway, so this, this part right here represents the service part of your career. And you see this yellow, uh, right now it's uh, yellow stickies or, you know, post-it notes. And uh, I'm going to be painting that into a camouflage look. So the yellow is representative of a fledgling eagle, okay? So the eagle, you know, going through the early part of the service career, gaining those attributes, and then finally getting out of the service at some point, then you enter into private sector or public life, and then you are choosing, you know, whatever career path is right for you, but uh, it, it's kind of a, it, it's, it's kind of tentative, okay? That's why I've got it in yellow. It's a cautionary thing. It takes a while to really get on your feet, and uh, sometimes you stumble and you fall and you got to go back and try something else. Or, you know, for me, I, I was in the Navy uh, Seabees and I was in construction, and then when I got out, I got out it was the, the post-9-11 uh, uh, economy, and uh, it was kind of tough. I ended up doing something not exactly construction. I went into uh, logistics, and I did that for five and a half years. It wasn't my cup of tea, but it took me five and a half years to figure that out. And then I went back into construction. So um, that's kind of a little setback that I had that I, I just hope that other, other eagles don't have to go through those kind of setbacks. And uh, part of what I'm doing in this company is to try to do that, to help people figure out earlier and quicker uh, what is right for them and to, to pursue that, okay? So, um, yeah, so here's my wall. I'm still, I've got the design in mind. In fact, I designed it already in my computer. And then other parts of it, I'm, I'm going to take it out of the cradle for a second. It's going to be a little different here. So and then, of course, I have this blue section. So when you're, when you're in the yellow section, you are figuring out your career post-service. And you're finally, by the time you get to the blue, that, that, that point is about the 20-year point from, this, from the time you began so, you know, if you started your enlistment, you did four years, and then to make it 20, there was another 16 years. So the top of that is about 16 years of yellow until you get to about the 20-year point. And that's when you enter this blue section. And this section, uh, it's when you are a soaring eagle, okay? This is where you are hitting your stride and you're w working towards the eventual retirement. And you've pretty much got yourself set up and you're doing very well. Um, so, you know, everybody, you know, I, we're hoping for great success for everybody in that, uh, particularly Eagles. And then of course you have this green section right down here. So this, this section here extends all the way down to, uh, when you can get out of the service. Cause sometimes, you know, you can stay in the service longer than 20 years at some point. 
So you could possibly jump right into retirement at some point coming out of the service, as, as everybody knows. But this particular uh, wall, this is the motif that I'm going for for the company. And there's one section right here. I mentioned this is the 20-year point. So this is the this is the, the con the the confluence of all the different parts. So this is a, a 20 year military career. You can go straight into retirement, right into the green. Um, this is the fledgling yellow, and then of course this part, this square is going to be blue when I'm finishing. But you can see I'm still painting. It's still a painting project. But um, I wanted to tell you because I got excited. I got actually got something uh, in the in the mail recently. I uh, took my design and I caused it to become a blanket. Check this out. I just got this thing and uh, I, I submitted it to Walmart, basically sent my design in as a picture. And you know how you can get those blankets, right? You, you can get a picture of your family or a picture of your dog or whatever. Well, I made a blanket and so you can see what I'm talking about. When I'm done painting, it's gonna look, it's gonna look similar to what I was talking about all uh, this, this camouflage. Now the yellow got a little pastel-y looking, but you can see where it's got all the different camouflage, the yellow camouflage, and so, so that's what I'm going for. And so I made it into a blanket for a reason, because I'm not always going to be here in uh, Eagle Approach Studio when I'm doing my podcast. Sometimes I'll be traveling, and I can bring my blanket, and I can make this my backdrop, so you can still see these colors pretty much anywhere I go, and it, and it functions another way. It's a, a very functional and practical thing. Um, besides being a blanket and being something that will keep you warm, um, it's something that is a sound attenuation thing. So um, for a studio, it's good to have something that attenuates the sound, and uh, I will be using that blanket to do that. So anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I just want to tell you how excited I am about these little practical things. So another thing about me and my personality is I, I tend to be practical. So uh, yeah. I'm going to move into the second part, okay? We talk about the eagle first, and now I'm going to talk about the hoss, okay? So today's hoss is this fellow named Benjamin Franklin, okay? And uh, Benjamin Franklin was one heck of a hoss. Uh, you know he appears on the $100 bill. I don't have a $100 bill to show you right now, but you know that he does. And uh, he, I think he had to be somebody to actually show up on the $100 bill. You know, I talked about Ulysses Grant before, and... Uh, if you hear that piano playing, that's my daughter. She's up there just messing around on the piano. She should be in bed by now. But anyway, um, Benjamin Franklin. Why is he a hoss, okay? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, he was he was uh, born into uh, the, the 13 colonies. He was born up in Boston area and uh, in Massachusetts and uh, grew up there with his family, a pretty large family. He was actually, I think, the youngest of... Uh, of, of the sons, um, I have to check that again. I, I read it a little while ago, but basically, uh, his dad came over from England and uh, had brought his bride, and and, and then his, after I don't know, she might have had like seven kids. His his his, his wife, his dad's uh, first wife, um, and then she died. You know, people had died in those cases uh, early in many many cases because of illness or sickness or whatever, um, and he married another woman and uh that second bride was uh the mother of benjamin franklin so um you know i know benjamin franklin when he was growing up he was always smart and precocious and uh challenged people and uh sometimes he got he got into quarrels <laughs> so that was part of him learning about uh himself and some of his limitations and some of the quarrels 
Uh, he was headstrong, you know. Uh, one thing, uh, when he was in Boston, he was apprenticed to his big brother, and his big brother and he, you know, they started butting heads a little bit. And that's one of the reasons why he left there and, and he basically ran off and he, he didn't even finish his apprenticeship and he went down to Philadelphia, started his new life. And uh, he remained in Philadelphia, you know, for the rest of his life, you know, except for the trips that he took. So, but yeah, Benjamin Franklin, he, he was a very loyal uh, British subject, you know, and, and he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, he, you know, in... in I, earlier in the show, I talk about you know respecting God, and he did respect God, um, although he he didn't really care for religion. Um, he you know he uh, sometimes he would rebel against even going to church. Didn't even care about that. Um, and you know that's back in those days. You know one of the, that was one of the big deals about coming to America is that you could you could practice the religion of your choice. Okay, that was a that was a, one of the big reasons to to come over here. Um, people were tired of being told what they could do up over there in, in Europe. And so, uh, you know, but Benjamin Franklin being uh, understanding of and respectful of God and, and the, the fact that people had this freedom of religion, he, you know, he, he had tolerance for all the different sects of religions, S-E-C-T-S, sects. And uh, he generally himself, he considered himself a Presbyterian, um, but... Uh, he, he showed respect for many uh, different sects, and, and he was uh, pretty well known for that because many times uh, somebody would want to build a church, and by that time in his, in his life, he was re relatively well off, okay? He, his business had been successful in printing, um, and he had, play, you know, printing all up and down the East Coast, basically, all the way down to Georgia, and uh, he could do other things, amusing things. In fact, uh, he was so sought after for all of it, all of his skills and stuff. Uh, he had to say no to a lot of stuff, but he did say yes to uh, to donations to help start a lot of churches and other types of public works. You know, including libraries and um, you know the uh, fire department and things like that. So, and and I really like Franklin because he was so practical. I mean, here I'm reading his autobiography, and you know. He talks, he devotes plenty of time to talk about the streets of Philadelphia. Like, you know, he's a merchant on the street and he, you know, he has a shop and, um, you know, for a long time in Philadelphia, those streets were just dirt, okay? <laughs> when it rains, they got all muddy and it's a big old mucky, muddy mess, you know, and there's animals that had, you know, carts and horses and stuff like that and uh, pretty nasty and he's like, you know what, we ought to... You know, we ought to pave some of this street, at least just one part here, this market part where the, all the merc mercantile is going on. And so uh, he helps make that happen so that the street gets paved. And then he's like, you know what? We should also clean up these streets, you know, because even though they paved them, the horses are still dropping on them and there's still dust and they got to be swept. And he figured out a way to get people who were shop owners to pay a subscription so that somebody could clean the streets. And uh, not only that, but they went as far as to put the lamps up on the streets and these were gas lamps. Um, but, you know, they, they brought over these, these lamps from England and they were these, you know, these bulb lamps or, you know, they were gl rolled glass, you know, like a big old huge rolled glass and, you know, you had to go up there and light the, light the, uh, light the gas wick at night and then it would start burning and the burning, the, the burning of that gas wick would end up causing a bunch of, you know, clouded, uh, the light would start bright, but then it would suddenly get full of smoke in the, and there was no way for the smoke to escape. And, and sometimes, uh, if you wanted to try to mess with it, you could try to, you know, 
touch it and then it, it would become brittle and break and the whole globe would break and so here's Franklin Mr. Uh, Mr. Innovative uh, fellow very practical he designed one he's like he made a, a different type of street lamp that had four panes of glass on each side flat panes that were easily pulled out and, and replaced if they broke uh, easily maintained and then he designed it so that the air can flow through the bottom and then the gas burns and then the smoke comes out the top and nothing gets trapped in there like those things from London England and so he just you know he spent so much time on things like that these kind of things he had time for because he was successful in his business and uh, I think I'm gonna spend a lot more time on Franklin than than uh, in this episode he's he's really one of these hosses that that deserves a lot okay so one being that he he respected all religions he wasn't just stuck in one religion he had an open mind uh, he was a scientist uh, he studied electricity and other forms of science uh, and uh, he invented stuff you know he invented plenty of things um, he invented the battery okay he invented uh, and you can see this stuff in Philadelphia it's pretty neat you should go down there sometime um, but you know being a scientist uh, at the time, you know, this is the colonies. Slavery was legal in all the colonies. It was legal in every single one, including Pennsylvania, okay? Slavery was legal. And, uh, you know, as a, as a scientist, uh, Franklin, he, he did some experiments or he did some observations and he noticed that, uh, you know, African-American kids that were given the chance to be educated, they could be... They could be just as smart as any other person, and he 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 noted that, and so he had an open mind, and that that's part of what makes him as a hoss. And because of that observation and what he saw, because most of the time uh, people who were enslaved they couldn't get an education; it was against the law. Okay, uh, and he he was a thinker outside the box, and he realized that no, they can do anything if you teach him teach him to uh, read. They can learn just as well as anybody. And so, um, you know, I keep saying that we are the same. And, you know, Benjamin Franklin, he had that down. He had that down very well. And part of, uh, part of his hossness, too, was his, his business acumen and his, his, his good standing with all the citizens and, and how he could get things done, you know. And so one of the things that he was really uh, passionate about was uh, being an abolitionist and getting rid of slavery, okay, so he pushed for that. He was a he was a big abolitionist uh, in his later life. Uh, when, when you know we we finally broke free from England, okay. He was of course you know he's one of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, so not only was a was he influential in his town of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, this you know the the new Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, but he was also, uh, you know, well, well renowned across the United States, you know, the, the new, the new nation and called upon to do many things. Um, so at one point he was governor of Pennsylvania for a little bit. <laughs> uh, so, but there's so many elements of Benjamin Franklin. I can't cover him in this, everything in this one, but he certainly was a hoss in pushing for, uh, the end of slavery. Uh, you know, of course, I say many times, you know, when we finally broke free of England, then we had a chance to uh, cause uh, the end of slavery pretty quickly. And so, you know, uh, by the time Franklin died in 1790, he had already seen six U.S. states uh, outlaw slavery. <clears throat> now, you know, they outlawed it. They didn't, they didn't imme immediately get rid of it. 
uh, they had to do grandfathering and stuff like that and gradually get rid of it. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that, that Benjamin Franklin was pushing it so hard and, and his state, Pennsylvania, was the first of the, of the colonies, of the original 13 colonies, to get rid of slavery. And so that was awesome. And, uh, you know, so many states followed suit. Some of them slower than others. Of course, New Jersey and New York were uh, taking, their, taking their time to get rid of slavery. Um, and, of course, the southern states, uh, we know that that was a, a big problem. They, uh, they held on to it until they had to have a war to get rid of it. So, so a, a, a Haas is a, a social integrity hero from our past. And uh, Benjamin Franklin is definitely a Haas. And there's so much more about him that I'll cover on other episodes. So uh, Benjamin Franklin, he appears on the, the Franklin Ulysses 150, okay? So uh, these two guys, you know, Franklin's on the 100, Ulysses is on the 50. You put them together and you get 150. Okay, but this is not dollars, it's 150 years, so it's a timeline of America's history. So we already had 150 years of slavery before Benjamin Franklin signed the Declaration of Independence with all the other heroes. And so between his, when Franklin died in 1790, like I said, he had seen many states uh, get rid of slavery. Um, but there was another 75 years until the uh, end of the Civil War when Ulysses Grant came along and finally uh, defeated the Confederates to win the Civil War so that slavery could be finally ended. But, and then he becomes our 18th president. And But even since his presidency, today we're 150 years beyond the presidency of Ulysses Grant. That's what this is, another 150 years. It's a period of racism and segregation and racism like we currently have and uh, racial injustice, racial disparity. Um, this nasty period is now going to be ended because today is the end of the line for racism. Okay, that's what that's what this is. This this whole timeline. So the Franklin Ulysses 150, Benjamin Franklin, one of the hosses is that, that's on it. He's the hoss for today's episode. So I'm going to go ahead and move to the to the next thing, and that is you, the uh, American mutt, the hound. Uh, you're the reason for this show. You're the reason for America. You're the reason why we're here. You know, I explain that every person who exists on these continents, these American continents, I call you a mutt. You're an immigrant. You came here from somewhere else, okay? And this is definitely the new world. And we have a chance to make things uh, pretty good for ourselves here and make things pretty good for the world. And we don't want to get it wrong. We want to get it right. So let's do that. Let's Let's be the mutt and let's do good things and let's... Uh, you know, let's support one another. Let's strive to uh, to have a good work, home, and family. Okay, so work the eagle, somebody who uh, with a service background. I, even if you're not an eagle, you can respect the eagle. You can be somebody who strives for those attributes, and you can work together well with those very few people who are actually eagles um, in today's in today's day and age. Um, but they're but everybody's a mutt. Okay. And uh, everybody is a private citizen. You know, the, the private citizen mutt concept is another thing that I want to talk about. And uh, so everybody should be proud of that citizenship and proud of being an American and being able to, uh, uh, you know, have the freedoms that we have and cherishing those freedoms and passing on those freedoms to the following generations. So, um, and so one of the things that I had a conversation with a guy today we we he 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 spouted off this term fireside chat you know he's like just kind of like just having a conversation about yeah you know you having some fireside chat i'm like i said why'd you say fireside chat 
He's like, I don't know. I'm like, do you know what a fireside chat is? He's like, no. I'm like, well, a fireside chat was uh, developed by one of America's presidents, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And uh, it, what it was is it was a radio show. So what he would do is uh, it was like a weekly radio address. He would, you know, sit at his desk with a microphone and start talking. So like for, for you know, 15 or 45 minutes, he would talk to, to America about what's happening. Okay, as the president, he, you know, we were going through a depression. Uh, he was talking about his ideas for this new deal and what kind of uh, laws he was trying to press through Congress to get passed so that there could be some relief, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, stimulus type of thing. You know, we're talking about getting some stimulus today to try to get through a rough spot, and, and we will get through it. And, you know, uh, but back in those days, it was only a radio show. They didn't have TV, okay, so it was a fireside chat. People would, uh, in the evening time, you know, when it's time for President FDR, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, to be on the radio, they would gather around the radio and start listening, you know, and, uh, you know, listen to what the president had to say. So back in those days, that was a pretty big deal, you know. Um, you know, we have a, a different economy now. We have so many distractions and so many different channels to listen to and, uh, you know, uh, media that's all over the place. But back in those days, there was not very many channels to listen to, but everybody had a chance to really plug in and hear what the president had to say. And there was a lot of mutual respect going on for at least for the president back then, um, so the fireside chat was so was was so neat because it got people on the same page. Okay, it got everybody going in the same direction, and it got us through a really tough time, that Great Depression. And then, of course, he continued it during uh, World War II because we were also going through that that struggle, trying to uh, trying to win, uh, which we eventually did. Um, so the fireside chat, I was thinking, you know, talking to my friend, maybe I ought to, maybe I ought to try to do a little fireside chat with, uh, you know, people that I, that I reach out to, um, people in my Facebook or my other social media, just start up a little fireside chat, um, you know, some evening time or some, I don't know, like mid, midweek, uh, I don't know. Give me some comments if you think, uh, if you think I should do that. Would you be interested in you know, nowadays they have these live presentations uh, on different social media platforms. Uh, you can just start talking, and then you can back and forth have have some comments coming through your feed. It's pretty cool. And so uh, this this little podcast might even uh, turn itself into something like that. You know, uh, I, I do like the idea of being collaborative. You know, not only just me saying something, but hearing what you have to say and having a little dialogue. You know, a little collaboration in between. So, uh, you know, this whole thing, this, uh, this motif wall in the background right here, it's a, a, a little representation of this thing that I call Eagle and Mutt Workforce Collaborative. So it's a, a collaborative of the Eagle, who's a service, someone with a service background who had, you know, sworn the oath, and the Mutt, there's the Mutt Paw, collaborating together, okay, um, at, at, for work, home, and family. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and end today uh with with that just talking a little bit about the uh, americana okay they're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about americana about the american mutt the american experience the fireside chat is one of those things and today's fireside chat is really like i was describing uh, in our social media those kind of things so we continue to evolve and it's america ever better and um so i'm, I'm interested in your ideas on that if there's something you'd like to see me do on this podcast and uh so 
the this is the Eagle Hostin Hound podcast. It's a place for respect. It's a place for for us to put into uh, perspective what we have here in this country and 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 be respectful of it and respectful of each other so that we can get through some tough times. And you know, one of the tough times that we're having to tr- get through right now is this this period of racism that we've got to put behind us, put in our rearview mirror and say that today is the end of the line for racism and uh we're going to find our life beyond racism as as uh one nation okay um i'm i'm really enjoying uh starting up this podcast series and i'm looking forward to uh finishing up this year we got the holidays coming up i'm hoping that you've got some good holiday plans um i do i'm going to be taking some vacation some use or lose vacation uh, a couple days before Christmas, all the way till the end of the year, it's going to be glorious. Uh, I hope that yours is going to be glorious as well. Um, so this is the Eagle Haas and Hound podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing some of your comments, and so I'll also encourage you to uh, to go ahead and subscribe and like and share on all of the different platforms that are out there, all the different podcast platforms and uh, social media platforms. So. This is uh, J.D. Collier signing out. Have a great week. Talk to you later.